We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. going on 49ers fans welcome to striking gold your 49ers podcast on the blue wire network this week's episode as always is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the striking gold podcast and the blue wire network my name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks and the Blue Wire Network. And welcome back. Welcome back. I'm going to lead off right with uh, this may be a little bit quicker of a podcast than I normally do. Uh, I think we're usually, especially since I've been uh, rolling solo right around like 45 minutes. Um, this might be a little quicker just because I, who happened to turn a ripe old age of 36 tomorrow, am headed to Las Vegas with some friends and significant others to, uh, to do the damn thing. Now, admittedly, I'm not like my good time doesn't necessarily vibe with Vegas in terms of gambling and drinking. I don't do much of either of those, but if you've been to Vegas, you know, there's some really good food and that's good enough for me. I'm going to go find the food and we'll do some other things. We might go to a show or two or, you know, maybe go hit up some of the rides on at one of the hotels and I don't know, just do some dumb stuff. But, um, I'm looking forward to that. We'll see how it goes. So I have got to, when I get done recording this, I have got to start packing because I need to wake up for my flight tomorrow at about 4 a.m. So it'll be something. It'll be something. We'll see how it goes. Just hoping to be able to get at least like six. You know what I mean? Like if you're listening, how many hours do you feel like you need to be, you know, sustainable to be functioning the next day? I, there's some studs out there. They're like, I only need three or four. And I'm like, you're insane. I feel like six is my minimum. I could roll on five, but I'm going to be feeling it. Six is my minimum. Obviously, the seven or the eight is like, like the ideal get to sleep in on the weekend type stuff. But if you're listening 
Well, obviously you are if you're hearing my voice. Um, I wonder, you know, just a little rhetorical question, I guess. How many hours do you need? Because it's just something I've always been curious about. But anyways, 49ers. Said I'm going to be short and sweet. I'm already rambling on about stuff that has nothing to do with the 49ers. So I apologize. Um, on the good side of the injury stuff. And dang it, I forgot I was going to get the... Uh, there we go. I got it. the injury report in front of you. But as far as the main names, the bigger names that y'all have been, you know, probably thinking about um, D four defensive end D Ford and linebacker Aziz Al Shire, both starters um, or at least both impact players have both been cleared of the concussion protocol. Both of them missed last week's game uh, against the bears for that reason. So they have been cleared. They have returned to practice. Uh, in addition to them, George Kittle, he plays tight end, if you didn't know, uh, and running back Jeff Wilson Jr. have also both returned to practice. So that's, I mean, that right there, that list, uh, Ford, Al Shire, Kittle, and Wilson Jr. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty substantial list right there. You know, that's a, that's, that's, those are some impact players. Those are the types of players that make a difference. So, um, Running back Elijah Mitchell, who we will talk a little bit more about a little later. Uh, he was limited in practice, apparently suffered a rib injury against the Bears, but it's not supposed to be too serious. I believe Kyle Shanahan expects him to be able to play, uh, which is a big deal because he is the 49ers, you know, he is the 49ers rushing game. So at least for now. Um, and who else is on this bad boy? Okay, so as far as did not practice, uh, defensive lineman Maurice Hurst continues to miss time to a calf injury. Uh, and obviously we talked about it last podcast. Safety Jimmy Ward is out with a quadricep that is supposed to be a pretty significant strain. We haven't really heard too much more on that, but he is exposed to miss, uh, expected to miss time. Uh, limited participants participants in Thursday's practice was D Ford, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel re-aggregated, re-aggravated. I believe that's a word. If it's not, I apologize. His calf injury, but just like Elijah Mitchell, he didn't practice on Wednesday, but he is practicing in limited fashion on Thursday. I don't think it's serious enough to keep him out of the game. And then also limited was Trent Williams uh, for an ankle, but he played on that against the Bears and was absolutely dominant uh by the way so good news for the most part on the injury front not spotless and jimmy ward is an an underrated loss i would say he's been an underrated player for the 49ers the past two or three years but in terms of what we are used to seeing from a 49ers injury report we're on the better side of things so I guess you could say the main talking points for today or the things we got the most out of were um, offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel and a defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, both spoke with the media today. And I felt like they both had some pretty interesting things to say. Um, a lot of time times Kyle Shanahan kind of keeps it by the book, close to the vest. I, I mean, he's a pretty blunt and honest guy, but I feel like for some reason we typically get a lot out of at the very least, Mike McDaniel, uh, D'Amico Ryan's tends to kind of be, you know, your coach speak says what, you know, he's supposed to say, and that's, I'm not faulting him, but Mike McDaniel has some very interesting insight. He just seems like a very genuine, honest guy. And you, all you have to do is look at him and listen to him talk. And he's obviously not your prototypical football guy. 
um, which is it, it's cool. It's 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 refreshing to listen to. So we'll get into some of the stuff he says, and then I'll give you my quick take on what the 49ers need to do against the Cardinals. But uh, the first thing that I mean, one of the things that stood out from D'Amico Ryan's interview was Eric Armstead. He was asked if Eric Armstead was moving back inside uh, to cover kind of for the loss of Javon Kinlaw, who I think we covered this last pod, did have season-ending surgery on his knee. And you're hoping that that kind of puts things in the past for those knee injuries. They did say that they feel like they found the problem. Uh, We'll see. You know, we'll see. Kinlaw's knees have been an apparent issue since before he was drafted. I know he was off team's draft board. So hopefully that is fixed. Hopefully that's in the past and the 49ers can really benefit from him because when he's healthy, we've seen him do freaky stuff and he hasn't even had a whole lot of time to develop Kinlaw because of his injuries. So hopefully that's the case. But D'Amico Ryans was asked if Eric Armstead was sliding inside to kind of make up for the loss of Kinlaw. And he pretty much confirmed it. He said they were kind of trying him out there to see how he do. But Eric Armstead has played in the played on the inside before. He's going to be solid there. He's pretty good against the run. So that could maybe have some, not unintended benefits, but that could benefit the 49ers uh, in, in, a, in more ways than one. Now, you do kind of lose his dominance as an edge slash contain player, which the whole contain part, he's been a lot better at it this season than he was last season. But, you know, and being able to stop the run along the edge and, and like I said, keep contain, it's a really, really, really big deal, especially against teams like the 49ers are about to face in the Arizona Cardinals. And, I mean, you saw how important it was against the Chicago Bears, and they didn't even get it done all the time. And it's hard to get it done when you're working against a quarterback that runs like a 4-3. But at the same time, you can see why it would be important just trying to keep things down the middle uh, for your linebackers to scoop up. But uh, Coach D'Amico Ryans did seem to kind of confirm that. Now, in addition to that and related, I wish I would have learned to pronounce his name. Uh, the 49ers did trade for defensive end Charlie Omenahu. That's kind of what it seems like. Um, and he's he's a bigger dude. I need to get his his exact measurements. Let me see if the 49ers have his exact measurements on here because he kind of see, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's going to be kind of a rotational player. I just don't know if if how quickly he'll work his way into that starting role. I know that Jeff from Pro, Pro Football Focus, Jeff Deeney, if you do not follow him, you should because he's very, very he basically cover the covers the 49ers for pro football focus and he's always like really really quick to treat to tweet 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 to tweet out kind of pro football focuses lens on things that happen with the 49ers and i you know i just love the stuff he, he continually tweets it's just always very um you know very simple very to the point but very well timed he said omenahu has tallied 16 quarterback pressures in 115 pass rush snaps so far this season while earning a pass rush grade of 80.3 which is very good for pro football focus um and he, uh omenahu did play on the texans the 49ers gave up a 2023 sixth rounder to get him so which that's a no brainer um now he does play on the edge I don't know how he is against the run. Uh, Jeff didn't mention that. But maybe that's somebody along with, say, um, Jordan Willis, 
who the 49ers feel like they can put into plug into that edge spot. And of course they love a rotation. So it doesn't have to be just one of them, but they can plug into that edge spot in replacement of Eric Armstead, who now slides inside. And maybe the 49ers can do a pretty good job of covering for the loss of Javon Kinlaw. And they've kind of already had to do that because Kinlaw was missing time. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully that trade slash Eric Armstead moving inside has the intended effect. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Interior pressure, especially when you have guys like Nick Bosa um, and Charles Omenahu and Samson Abukam and Jordan Willis, who have kind of been a, a decent platoon effort. Obviously, Nick Bosa leading the way. And hopefully D4 getting back out there has a big effect. But the interior pressure is going to be essential because a lot of times the ed rushers force the quarterbacks forward and then it's the interior guys that get home or it can be the exact opposite. A uh, uh, An interior pressure can force the quarterback to either backpedal or roll out right into an edge rusher. So they really do work in tandem. So the 49ers need both of those kind of you know sectors to be to be working well. Uh, that was pretty much, that was for the most part, that was the majority of the takeaway from D'Amico Ryan's interview. I mean, he said that they are preparing to face Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray has missed practices this week with an ankle injury. I believe he hobbled off the field uh, after their game last week. So we'll see what happens with him. They're preparing to face Kyler Murray. It's, there's really just no way. Um, Cliff Kingsbury has said that Kyler Murray is kind of a, a game time decision. I mean, it would not surprise me at all if Kyler Murray played. It just, it just wouldn't. Uh, you know that it just, it just seems like one of those where you, they kind of, you know, spend the week wondering if the 49ers are going to face uh, the Arizona Cardinals backup quarterback, which is Colt McCoy who the 49ers are familiar with. And Cole McCoy is respectable. He's not necessarily the backup quarterback. Like the moment he comes in, you're like, all right, let's tee off. He's not really like that. Um, But he would obviously be a much easier quarterback to face than Kyler Murray would be. Now, again, I'm kind of just reading the tea leaves here. It seems like Kyler Murray's going to play. It's just they're basically resting them for the week, and then they're like, here you go. That's just kind of what it says. And and D'Amico Ryan did say they were – practicing as if they were preparing to face Kyler Murray, you know, made a little easier is the fact that they're going up against Trey Lance throughout practice, which he's not as quick and as nimble as Kyler Murray, but he certainly is mobile and he's hard to bring down. Uh, Not that they're doing a whole lot of quarterback tackling in practice, but at least they can get some good looks. All right. That's pretty much the only point I'm making. uh, Trey Lance can give the defense some good looks. And not to mention the fact that just going up against Justin Fields and Justin Fields having a good game uh, against the 49ers, if you didn't know, he had 10 carries, some planned, some unplanned for 103 yards and a touchdown. So the 49ers saw plenty of a scrambling quarterback last week and still manages to come away with the W. Uh, So that's good preparation. That's good preparation against Kyler Murray. And not to mention the fact that, and we'll talk about this more later, but the 49ers kept Kyler Murray in check for the most part, the first time they played him. So I'm not necessarily saying that they have to worry about it, especially if he's nursing an ankle injury, but you know, any little advantage hurts. Now, before we jump over to Mike McDaniel and the player interviews, let's get a quick word in from TickPick, our sponsors. Y'all already know what it is. 
49ers football is back. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all your NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you do not believe it, if you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick's going to give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Now, the 49ers have two absolutely essential games at Levi's Stadium coming up. Their NFC West division games against the Cardinals and then the Rams. If you are going to go to a 49ers game because you want to see games that matter and you want to be a part of that action, the next two games, it doesn't get any more important than the next two games. So jump on TickPick.com slash gold today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. TickPick.com slash gold. Get on it. Get over to Levi's and check out these next two games against the Cardinals and Rams. They're as big as it gets. They're as big as it gets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So like I was saying, Mike McDaniel, always to me, an interesting listen. He just is. He's just an interesting guy. You could tell he's he's one of the – you can see why he's gotten along so well with Kyle Shanahan. They're both – Kyle Shanahan's not socially awkward, but you can tell they're just pure football through and through. And that's how Mike McDaniel comes off. He's an odd guy that doesn't even care about his social skills. Uh, he just is is football in his own way. 
And you got to just listen to him. Just listen to him. I, I, I absolutely love listening to him talk football. And one of the first questions that he was asked was about Jeff Wilson Jr., running back Jeff Wilson Jr. and his return to practice. And you could just tell in the way that McDaniels talked about Wilson was this guy is a different breed. Uh, it's not, you know, and it's, he's not sliding Elijah Mitchell. It's not saying that Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to step back because it's still very clear that they're kind of easing Jeff Wilson Jr. back into the mix. Okay. He, I believe it was a torn Achilles. Uh, no, it was a, it was a, a knee tendon. It was a knee tendon. It's hard to keep up with these 49ers injuries, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I should be more prepared. And he did it weird. He just sat up on a chair and was like, Dink, that's it. Season's over. I mean, that sucks. That's tough. Um, not season's over. Obviously, he's coming back from it. But it, it, it's a significant injury. And you have to be careful in the way you ease a player back from something like that. So it's not like they're just going to trot Jeff Wilson Jr. back out there. Uh, especially when Elijah Mitchell has looked pretty good. I think Elijah Mitchell kind of gives the 49ers time. But in talking about Jeff Wilson Jr., Mike McDaniel was just effusive in his praise for Wilson's violence and energy. Like, he just said that the way he plays lifts up the entire offense. And I feel that to my core. We had some players on my team this year. I know it's just middle school, but they just played the way, specifically our quarterback, they just played the game in a way that just pumps everybody up. And like you feel like wrong if you can't match that player's energy. Like you feel like you're you're sliding them or the team. And that really is, we've seen it. That is the type of guy Jeff Wilson Jr. is. I always go back to that touchdown he caught against the Cardinals two years ago. And it was that game-winning play. He ran like, I guess you could call it the Texas route, where from the backfield kind of moves to the left and then cuts back towards the middle of the field. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hit him with a defender in his face. And Jeff Wilson Jr. just took off and beeline straight for that end zone, ran about 25 yards. And I, I think I commented on Richard Sherman's post. Richard Sherman posted about it. And I just said, imagine if somebody tried to step in that man's way because he just was running in a way where it like would not have mattered. He would have been deleted. And so that's what I think of when Mike McDaniels talks about Jeff Wilson Jr.'s energy. So, Although he's not ready yet, I'm looking forward to hopefully Jeff Wilson Jr. getting healthy and getting back into the lineup because the way Elijah Mitchell runs and Jeff Wilson Jr., that could be one hell of a tandem. And then we'll, I mean, we'll eventually see if the 49ers plan to get anything from their third round rookie running back, Trey Sermon, this year. I don't know what's going on there. But the emergence of Elijah Mitchell uh, has not helped that cause because against. The Bears last week, Mitchell ran for had 18 carries for 137 yards. That's 7.6 a carry and one touchdown. Um, the next, very next person that that Mitch, um, excuse me, McDaniel mentioned was Elijah Mitchell, and he had a great quote from Trent Williams. Apparently, it was a zone run to the right. Uh, it wasn't blocked up well. Uh, Elijah Mitchell just kind of had to squeeze in there and pick up the hard yards, and he ran into the back of Trent Williams. And Mike McDaniel said that Williams said that he has not been hit that hard in the back by a running back since Adrian Peterson. And, you know, I'm not, we're not out here saying Elijah Mitchell's just destined for the Hall of Fame, but I'm not going to tell him he's not. That's not, a, that's, that's not how I treat it. But, I mean, that's a hell of a compliment. And, and we do see that. Elijah Mitchell has this really unique blend of speed and power. He doesn't go down easy. He's fast in space. 
Uh, he seems very elusive. He seems able to squeeze through the small gaps. So he's been fun to watch. He's been fun to watch. And it seems like he's garnering and, and building up support within that locker room from the coaching staff with that team. I mean, he was asked, McDaniels was asked, like, why Elijah Mitchell? And he was basically like, well, he's hella good. <laughs> you know, like he's a good player, and that's why he's playing. So he was kind of coy about it. Not coy, he just kind of laughed at it. So 49ers in a, in a good place with their running backs. Now, it's not a flawless place. You know, they obviously lost Raheem Mostert, who was who would have completely changed this season. Um, but they do have Jamichael Hasty back there. Elijah Mitchell's playing well. Trey Sermon can come in whenever the 49ers feel like they can use him. And then you've got Jeff Wilson Jr. coming back. So, and we all know that the 49ers want to run the ball. They need to run the ball. That's, I mean, that's why, that's just part of the winning formula for the 49ers, especially when you don't really want to ask Jimmy Garoppolo to win the game for you. So if the better the 49ers can run the football, which they did well against the Bears, uh, the better that they will be. It's really, really that simple. And that probably seems like a, well, duh type of comment. But at the same time, it's just everything flows through the run game for Kyle Shanahan. Play action. If your run game is not effective, then play action doesn't matter. Because the defense doesn't respect the run, so they don't care about the play action. If the defense respects the fact that you can run the ball, then they have to commit to the play action. And that's how that's how it rolls right there. Uh, it sounded like McDaniel was prepared to move forward without George Kittle, who's returning to practice this week. Now, and at the same time, George Kittle seemed very confident that he was going to play in his interview. Or, you know, at the very least, had some bravado about it. Um, obviously, they want to be careful with George Kittle. He was he was asked if they try to be careful with George Kittle because as much as people haven't really talked about it, to me, George Kittle is not in the same boat as like Jimmy Garoppolo when it comes to kind of the injury stigma, but George Kittle's missed a significant amount of time. And availability is just a huge part of the factor. I mean, that's what much makes part of what makes Travis Kelsey so damn impressive is look how many games a season that guy has played. I mean, he's missed very little. You could probably count him on one hand if I'm not mistaken. So Kittle on the field, a big deal. Having one of the best players in the NFL at your position, big deal. Um, but it doesn't sound like the 49ers are really eager to rush him along. At the same time, McDaniel was asked if, if they do things to take care of George Kittle. And he was like, no, like, that's football. Like you can't just shield a player from plays where you're going to need him on that play because you're afraid of him getting hurt. It's just football. And you, if your players, the player that should be out there because he's the best at doing what he does, then that's just the way it is. Like that's pretty much what it is. He made it pretty clear the 49ers, you know, unless they're dealing with a nagging injury and they're trying to work him through that, or, you know, or make it work. They really don't shield players from injuries, which I I get that. It it's football. There's you know, if you're out there, you're out there, and that's that's what it is. It's not like you're going to take Trent Williams out on some plays because you don't think you'll need him on that play. Like, nope, you just have your best players out there all the time and hope everybody comes out all right. You know, can't leave the prize stallion in the stable. Now, where it got really interesting both comments about Brandon Ayuk and comments from Brandon Ayuk, because he's one of the players that we heard today. I think it finally came out in the air. And even George Kittle added a little bit to this with some of his comments. 
is that Brandon Ayuk and I'm even Jimmy Garoppolo said yesterday that second year players sometimes have a tough time, especially if they have success in their real rookie season, knowing just how hard they have to continue to push. Like you can't become confident just because you had a rookie season and not continue to maintain that edge that makes you a professional football player. Like you can never let off the gas in that environment. It's just, it's just consists of the elite of the elite. And if you slow down for a second, you'll fall right out of the, out of the picture. And that it, it's become clear based on Kyle Shanahan's comments, Mike McDaniel's comments, Jimmy Garoppolo's comments, George Kittle's comments that Brandon Ayuk was not quite grasping the concept of just how hard he has to go as a professional football player. There were many things that were said by both McDaniel and Kittle that allude to the fact that whether it was on plays that weren't going his direction or plays where he didn't feel like he was getting the ball or running plays that Brandon Ayuk was not going as hard as he should. It it was really insightful, and I and I probably should have taken more detailed notes. But McDaniel's and and Kittle talked about like the timing of a play, and the fact that just because a receiver doesn't get thrown the ball on a given play, and most of this kind of was conversation was centered around offseason preparation, training camp, uh, and it and it definitely follows into the season. Just because the quarterback doesn't throw the ball your way. What a lot of people don't realize is every single play that happens in a game is analyzed within the meeting room. Quarterbacks will watch every single offensive snap to see what they did, what they could have done, what else was available to them. And that is where it seems like Ayuk wasn't getting the point from what I can tell through all these interviews. Um, Mike McDaniel mentioned the fact that even if you don't get thrown the ball in the play, you still need to run the route as if you expect to get thrown the ball because what the quarterback is looking for after the game or Kyle Shanahan's looking for or Mike McDaniel is the coordinator. What they're looking for is, was this player open? Was the timing of the route correct? Should we have gone to this player with the ball? And if you are not running your route as hard as you should or you know as fast as you should or at the depth that it's drawn up, then that one, they'll see that and they'll say – he doesn't give a shit. If the play's not coming to him, he doesn't give a shit. And at the very least, he doesn't care enough to make to get his, his assignments right. And then they'll also see, like, oh, like it could have been a great route. And Kyle Shanahan or, or Jimmy Garoppolo looks at it and they're like, hey, Brandon was open right here. Next time we draw up this play against a similar defense, we need to hit Ayuk. And, and you have to give the coaches the opportunity to see that. And if you're not always going as hard as you should be, it's really hard for the coaches to say, and this kind of fits with what's been happening because Brandon Ayuk hasn't even been getting targets. And that he's been on the field, but he hasn't even been getting targets. And that would explain that if in training camp, he's not going that hard and players have started to get used to him not going hard and they don't feel like they even need to look his way in Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance if they don't even feel like they need to look his way because they've already gotten used to the fact that he, there's a good chance that he's not running as hard as he should, then that would directly translate to the game on Sundays and why quarterbacks would just get so used to not targeting him because they've been dealing with him all offseason. Now, I'm definitely not going to jump ahead of myself and just assume that all of this is spot on 
but it's multiple comments from multiple people, all kind of centered around Brandon Ayuk's preparation and his ability to take every rep seriously. And it also, the run game also came up. And that's, there's a great quote out there. Like, when the offensive line blocks well, teams will have a good running game. When the receivers block well, teams will have a great running game. And it does seem like the receivers within the room, Debo Samuel mentioned it, Brandon Ayuk mentioned it, have started to take their assignments as blockers more seriously. Because I can guarantee you, you that Kyle Shanahan takes them seriously. Because, I mean, and, and it's the same thing I, I preach all the time to my players. is like, look, if you don't block, you're not getting the rock. You need to block. And I don't want to see your man make the tackle. There's 11 guys on defense. You're going to be responsible for one of them. Don't let your guy make the tackle. And that's probably exactly what's going on in the wide receiver room right now, or at the very least going on for Brandon Ayuk is whether it's a route he doesn't expect to get the ball or a route that maybe he did expect to get the ball and he still ran it wrong or a running play where he didn't really block that well. Um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I know that Brandon Ayuk blocked his ass off on a play. I I can't remember the exact frame of the play. Uh, They did mention it during the, the interview. But I know that Brandon Ayuk had a huge block. I believe it sprung Elijah Mitchell for a touchdown or helped. Um, you know, and that's the type of stuff that just gets raves in the film room, in the meeting rooms. When a receiver gets downfield and gets a block that gives another running back 10, 15 yards or a freaking touchdown, like that is a huge deal. And it's kind of seemed like all of that has centered around Brandon Ayuk, his his effort on a play-to-play basis. Now what was interesting is as you know, you'd heard all these comments from Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, kind of center around Ayuk's effort. And then when they asked Ayuk about it, this was the first time, I believe earlier in the week, he said, I can only control what I can control. And that kind of seemed like this ain't on me. Now, I, I could definitely be wrong on that. It's a very vague statement. But this was the first time where Brandon Ayuk seemed fairly upfront about it. He did seem reluctant, though. I'll make a note of that. He did seem reluctant to kind of like take the blame and maybe he doesn't deserve all the blame or maybe he shouldn't take the blame or maybe he should. We don't know. But he did seem reluctant. And But at the same time, he did obviously understand. That, I mean, the, the, jump into the highlight of the question. He said that he was asked by Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports uh, Bay Area if there was anybody in the locker room or part of the coaches that had motivated him when he was obviously struggled to be motivated. And the first person he mentioned was Kyle Juszczyk, fullback, who he said was his locker mate, you know, locker right next to him. And I couldn't think of a better person to be next to somebody like Brandon Ayuk than Kyle Juszczyk. Obviously somebody who's one of the more level-headed, approachable, likable guys on the team, works really hard, the absolute best fullback in the NFL, and is a huge part of the 49ers offense's success. You know, couldn't be a better person to be next to Brandon Ayuk if he's having those issues. So he did bring him up. And then he immediately jumped to Kyle Shanahan and said, I quote, me and Kyle had some words. And then somebody asked him kind of in more detail a little bit later. I think it was uh, Eric Branch. Um, You know, if he could explain that in more detail and Brandon Ayuk kind of just smirked and was like, no, we had some words. That was what he was going to leave it at. So obviously for Brandon Ayuk to even say that it means that him and Kyle Shanahan probably had a fairly candid conversation 
on what Brandon Ayuk had done wrong and probably what he'd done right and what he could be moving forward. I mean, it's got to be frustrating for the 49ers if Brandon Ayuk is truly struggling to get the point because it's so he's so obviously talented and he could be so much better because he's a relatively inexperienced wide receiver when you look at his resume. So it's got to be frustrating for Kyle Shanahan and, and maybe the rest of the offense. And he's just, it's so obvious how talented he is. Um, but you, you know, talent only takes you so far in the NFL. You have to be, you have to have that edge. You have to have that chip on your shoulder. You have to be willing to truly push the limit on a day-to-day basis. And that seems to be the part that Brandon Ayuk was struggling with. And it, it seems like, it was to a point where his teammates were worth felt it was worth acknowledging to the media, you know, not in private in the locker room to the media. And this was really the first week where we, I felt like other than from Kyle Shanahan, we've got some really solid quotes from players in the locker room about Brandon Ayuk and what he might need to work on and do better. Um, which I thought was very interesting. I thought that was very interesting. And I, I, dude, I guarantee you struggles like this are so common throughout the NFL. Uh, It's just a player's ability to move past it that determines what type of success they're going to have. And in Brandon Ayuk's last game, it's interesting. He kept referring to the bye week. He kept referring to the bye week. Now, obviously, the 49ers came out of a bye week and weren't great against the Colts. Uh, Whatever. But he kept referring to the bye week as when those conversations happened and kind of what he looked like and we looked as like a reset for the season. And it, it, you know, it, it just doesn't seem as a, a surprise then that going into the bears game, he ended up with four targets or excuse me, seven targets for four catches for 45 yards, as well as one of which was to convert. I don't know if that goes in the official stat sheet, his catch to, uh, for the two-point conversion in which he ran a dirty slant with a dirty move off his break that gave him about four yards of separation in the end zone. Um, I don't know if that's counted among those receptions. I'll have to look, but he did catch that pass to convert on the two-pointer, and he looked good. Um, you know, he had more targets than – he was. He had the second most targets on the team behind Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo Samuel had eight. Brandon Ayuk had seven. So, I mean, that's a solid step in the right direction. It just happens to come fairly briefly after what Brandon Ayuk said was kind of a reset for his season. So are we going to see a more active Brandon Ayuk going forward? It would certainly benefit the 49ers. You know, there's only so many targets to go around. And Debo Samuel deserves all of the ones he's getting because he's the NFL's second leading receiver in yards right now. Um, So... Debo Samuel needs to continue to get those targets as long as he's playing how he's playing. George Kittle will eat into that a little bit. And then how much is left for Brandon Ayuk, you know, along with like Muhammad Sanu? I don't know. But having him as a viable threat doesn't do any harm. So interesting, interesting, you know, interview with Brandon Ayuk. I would recommend checking it out. I really would. Um, And he did kind of end the interview by saying that he kind of had a stubbornness. Seemed like he had trouble listening to others' advice as if he couldn't trust what they were saying, didn't take it seriously, didn't apply it. He did say that, you know, I need to listen to what people are telling me and apply it because when I have applied it in the past, the results have been right there. He he said that. And that's an interesting thing to say as a player because, I mean, 
does that mean that he was having trouble being coached? That's a tough quality, man. When a player's not coachable, it doesn't matter how much talent they have. It's really tough to get through to them. Um, and, and they don't want to listen to anything you have to say. And he, man, Brandon, I did say that may have been because trust issues in the past. Who knows how far that stems, but he did say he has trust issues and that he didn't just start, you know, heeding the words of advice coming from whether it's players or coaches. So pretty upfront from Brandon Ayuk, who for the most part seems like a pretty reserved and shy and quiet guy. Uh, he was pretty honest. And so were, so was George Kittle. So was Mike McDaniel. Uh, so was Jimmy Garoppolo. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting. We'll see how he recovers. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, just kind of to cap this, this podcast off, when it comes to the Cardinals, I don't... I was trying to think of it before I got on here. Like, is there a key to beating the Cardinals? And I just don't really think there is at in this point, you know, there's nothing to, when the 49ers played them earlier in the year, a few weeks ago, you know, they lost 10 to 17 and that was with Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance did his own, did a very good job of extending plays and creating stuff on the run. So he brought his own dynamic to the play, but the 49ers didn't even bring their best effort and somehow still managed to make it within a score, come down to essentially what could have been an onside kick recovery to at least tying it up with the Cardinals. So to me, it's not going to take this revolutionary effort for the 49ers. If there's one thing the Cardinals are susceptible to, it's running the ball. They rank, I believe it's about 25th in the NFL in terms of rushing yards allowed. Now, at the same time, they haven't given up a whole lot of rushing touchdowns, but they have given up a lot of rushing yards. So that could be where it gets done. When it comes to passing yards, the Cardinals are are towards the top of the league. I believe they're about 6th. Yet, so are the 49ers. When it comes to passing touchdowns, the Cardinals give a little bit way. They're they're behind the 49ers. They've given up 11 passing touchdowns this year. So, you know, it, the Cardinals aren't don't necessarily have a glaring weakness. That's why they're seven and one. But at the same time, it plays into the 49ers' strengths. If they can run the ball, then everything seems to go well. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, against the Colts, or excuse me, against the Bears, had one of his best games. It might have been his best game of the season. You know, he threw for 322 yards, 60% of his passes, um, ran in two touchdowns, just looked serviceable. And that really is the key to beating the Cardinals. Now, 
again, you know, and this was a, an away game at the Cardinal Stadium. The 49ers held the Cardinals to 17 points. It was pretty impressive. You know, Kyler Murray was was good, very good. 22 of 31 for uh, 239 yards and a touchdown. So he was kind of the driving force of that offense. The 49ers stuffed the run pretty well against the Cardinals, only allowed, allowed them 94 yards and 3.5 a carry, which was great. But Kyler Murray did his thing. Um, didn't run the ball a whole lot. Like Kyler Murray, again, the first time the 49ers played him, only had, I mean, he had seven attempts. This has to be wrong. Maybe it's not. Seven attempts for one yard? That's crazy. So they really reeled in Kyler Murray uh, when they played him the first time. And now are they going to be facing a Kyler Murray with a hurt ankle? Sounds like it if he does play. So it should be just as easy to keep him contained, but the pass defense has to come through. And they were just okay against the Bears. I mean, Fields threw for 175 yards and a touchdown, and it looked like if they would have – I mean, they didn't necessarily need to throw as much because the offense ran for 176 yards, almost five yards a carry. A lot of that was Justin Fields. So – just a little bit of like a mix match performance. Like they really struggled to contain Justin Fields, but they did a really good job containing Kyler Murray uh, when they played him earlier. So to me, it, it, it all comes back to the offense. It all comes back to the offense for me. Uh, I know that the defense has been pretty hit or miss, but to that point, you got to go back to the offense and their ability to move the ball and score points. They cannot just score 10 points like they did under Trey Lance. That's never going to get it done. So it's it's all about the offense. Can Jimmy Garoppolo replicate what they had uh, against the Bears? The Bears have a solid defense, and they were, the 49ers were able to put up points. Is Debo Samuel going to maintain his hot streak? Is Brandon Ayuk going to stay involved? If George Kittle plays, you know, that can never hurt. Uh, we don't really know if we're going to see Jeff Wilson Jr. I wouldn't really expect it to. It doesn't sound like it. Uh, but to me, when it comes to the Cardinals, you're playing at Levi's Stadium. 49ers are going to have a pretty loud crowd. Uh, the defense should be solid again. If anything, the defense has been solid. They've been okay. You know, I love the pass interference penalties. We love to, to talk shit about those. But the defense has been okay throughout the season. It's not the problem. We know what the problem is. It's been the offense. So when the, when the 49ers go out there, you just want to see them some staying drives. I mean, the 49ers against the Bears, they never punted all game. They missed a field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown, 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 field goal, end of the game. If you can do that against the Cardinals, they will win. That is all about time of possession, baby. Like, if you can keep the Cardinals offense off the field and create drives like that, You'll find a way to win. Uh, so it, to me, it all comes down to the offense. It comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo um, playing his game, taking what the defense gives him, and not making any of those silly mistakes. He's been good in the pocket. He's been solid in the pocket. Yeah, he, you know, obviously he's shown that he doesn't mind scrambling a little bit more. Um, but it all comes back to them for me. The corners, you know, you're going up against a much different receiving core. I know that even. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is dealing, dealing with injury. Uh, let me go back to this injury report here. I just want to get this in here before we sign off because I want to see as of Thursday where the Cardinals were at with their injuries. Okay, got it. Here's the Cardinals. On Thursday, 
did not practice. DeAndre Hopkins with a hamstring. We'll see if we see him. Kyler Murray obviously not practicing with an ankle. And that's it. Uh, I was gonna see. I wanted to say AJ Green was having was struggling with an injury too. But let me jump down here to the limiteds in Thursday. No, I guess not. I thought I was reading some stuff about AJ Green. So we'll see. Chase Edmonds, a big part of their offense at running back. He's struggling with a shoulder shoulder injury. He's been limited. Um, and like I said, DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice Thursday. We'll see what his status is, but. Obviously, the the defense has got to avoid this pass interference stuff. You're never going to have an easy day against the likes of DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk's pretty solid, um, at least as a deep threat. And then you've got A.J. Green. They've got a lot of weapons on offense, um, and now they've added Zach Ertz to the fold. So defense has their work cut out for them. But to me, it just all comes back to the offense, their ability to sustain drives, score points. And I do believe in the way both teams are set up that the 49ers can win in kind of like a shootout against the Cardinals. I do believe the 49ers offense is capable of outscoring the Cardinals offense. Um, you know, when you look at both defenses, but it's, it, to me, it, it's just Jimmy Garoppolo. Does he play well? Can they get the run going? That's it. That to me, you just, the 49ers look so different when against the bears, when the offense was moving and doing the damn thing, it, it made such a huge difference that to me, that's just really, what the 49ers revolve around right now, what they revolve around, what they need in order to be effective. So I'm going to be looking at the offense against the Cardinals. That's what I'm going to be looking for. I mean, you can't not look at the defense. I just feel like a lot of the problems lie within the offense, and if they can be productive, I think we'll see good things. I think we'll see good things. It'll be interesting to see what Levi Stadium brings to the table. Again, jump on TickPick.com slash gold if you want to go to the game. Um, check it out. Be a part of that home crowd, man. That's a big factor in the game too. Uh, it's been talked about all week. The fact that the 49ers haven't won a game in Levi stadium in a while. And I mean, that's kind of a sore thumb on the team. They know that they need to earn the right of a home field advantage. The crowd is not going to be insane. If you're not playing well, uh, the two kind of go hand in hand. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how that Levi stadium crowd can affect the game. And if the 49ers are playing well enough to get them all fired up. So, Hey, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to the Strike and Gold podcast. I said it was going to be shorter. It's not shorter. It's still 45 minutes um, because I can't shut up. So that's my bad. Um, hopefully you don't mind. I appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. You guys are the best. Uh, again, check out tickpick.com slash gold. That lets them know that you came from here. Get yourself some tickets. Get to the game. Have some fun. Um, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold and making it what it is. I am going to sign off of here, go pack my stuff, and get ready for a little trip over to Vegas. Every time I say Vegas, I think of uh, the hangover where he's pounding on the side of the car, yelling Vegas, and pointing at the little girl and she flips him off. That's what I think about. But, all right, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're rating, commenting, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff. Uh, but hey, for another episode, this is Strike and Gold. I'm Rob. We're signing out. 